we have, uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. We're going to have three uh, of our very own uh, guys speaking. I'm going to call it a preaching medley. We're going to hear about worship. We're going to hear about teaching. And we're going to hear about community. Uh, in just a second, I'm going to invite the first uh, one up. And uh, I'm going to hear about three different topics. But really, what we're talking about is discipleship. We are all disciples. You know that? It doesn't matter if you've been in Christ for 40 years. And I know there are a lot of people in our church that have followed Christ for a very, very long time, decades, more than 40 years. You're still, we're still disciples, we're still, which means we're still learning and we're still growing and we're still following Jesus. Is there anyone in the house that knows absolutely everything they need to know about Christ? I'm going to preach. That's my dad, if anyone. Uh, there's, there's one in every, every church. I'm going to preach at this side. <laughs> there's no one, just to be clear, okay? And uh, whether you're brand new, if you just made a decision, maybe last week or even this morning to follow Jesus, uh, you, you, you become a disciple, and there are some real key um, aspects of discipleship that you never grow out of, that we can never say, ah, I've got that. I've got that covered. I'm sorted. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about those aspects today. So uh, once you welcome and make, uh, make him feel like he's going to do a great job, because he is, my man Al. Why don't you come on up, Al? <laughs> wow. Thank you for that intro, Kim. Uh, obviously, wasn't excited as excited to get up here as my wife was to talk about camp because I just did a little skip just to you know meet up to the expectations there, but didn't run up here. It's all good. Um, yeah, I'm going to be talking about worship this morning, and uh, it's a big topic. So we're talking about worship and you know what it means for discipleship uh, in uh, in my life, and it's just a little encouragement for the rest of you guys. So. Um, the first thing I want to say is that worship, uh, the word worship, it comes from, well, part of the word comes from the word worth. You know, so it literally means to declare worth, to declare God's worth and not to just declare that he's worth something, declare that he's worth more than everything else put together. And so that's just, that's just one takeaway that I want you guys to remember because I'm pretty aware that uh, Nathan and Aaron are very charismatic speakers and you'll probably get to the end and be like, what? What that first guy speak about again? What was his name? Like Albert or something? I don't know. Um, so declare God's worth. Okay, that's what it means to worship. And uh, I think in simple words, we can take it from like the values of our church. It means to, to look up, you know, in everything. Like you could be looking at whatever's around you, but uh, if you always see something and you just, you just look up. Something's great happening, do you look up and say thank you? Maybe nothing great is happening. Do you still look up? And say, thank you. Because you've got a lot to be thankful about. Sometimes we don't realize it, but we've got a lot to be thankful about. Um, another thing I found out was that worship, uh, the word, going back to the translation of the, uh, in the Bible, sorry. Um, one meaning is to kneel down, like bow down in submission. So, you know, worship can also mean like acts of submission. Um, and another meaning was to serve service 
So, um, yeah, so I just encourage you just right now, if, you know, if you're coming here, if you've been in Christ, but you're not, you're not serving, I would, I would really encourage you to look into how you can serve and how you can use your God-given talents and your gifts um, to just, to just honor God, use who you are to, to honor God and express uh, your worship through service. Uh, declare that he's worth uh, to you through your service. Okay, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures. Um, I just love these scriptures about worship. The first one is John 4, 19 to 24, and it looks like this. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. I, I'm going to read off here now. Um, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship that, uh, what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. That uh, concerning worship, I think that's like one of my favorite scriptures. And, you know, anything that Jesus says just kind of blows me away. But he says, you know, we true worshipers, we worship in spirit and truth. Um, did you know that, you know, you carry God's spirit around with you? You know, his spirit is inside you. And in the, um, in the Old Testament to, uh, you know, experience God's presence, it was like in the middle of this temple. But now because of what Jesus did, we're the temple. You know, your body is a temple. Some temples are past their prime, I have to admit, but, uh, you know, uh, especially what, after what Kim said this morning, he says he finds it hard to go to the gym. Man, you've got to work on the temple, bro. Uh, <laughs> I say that because i got a couple of gym analogies uh, to come. <laughs> thank you, bro. Thank you. Uh, to come forth. Uh, but, yeah, we worship in spirit and in truth. And in truth. Um, the truth comes from from where it comes from the word of god doesn't it you know if we want to worship god properly if we want to have acceptable worship we have to know the word you know that's why list not just the songs when we sing songs in uh church it's not just the songs but it's also hearing and learning the word of god because if we don't know the word then you know argument can be said you don't really know god and if you're not shaping uh who god is through biblical truths then um that I would say that's like maybe carving an idol. Like if you, you, you're going to shape God through, through something, it might be through what society says, you know. And, and God says, you know, do not have any other gods but me. Don't worship idols. Um, the next scripture I was going to have a look at is uh, Romans 12.1. This is another one of my favorites. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship wow that's cool i just want to focus on one little bit the living sacrifice you ever heard um the word living document like your work you create like a living document and it's because we're going to come back to this document and we're going to add stuff to it and we're going to change stuff and it's become better as we go along so living sacrifice we uh you know we, we continue it's a continual thing worship is a continual uh it's a living sacrifice you know in the uh um, Old Testament, they also used to build altars and sacrifice things, but because of what Jesus did, we obviously don't have to do that anymore. But there is, there is a sacrifice in discipleship, you know, there's a cost. Jesus said, count the cost of discipleship. It might look a little bit different for some people, but he said, you know, you don't go and, um, you don't go and plan 
Uh, so you don't start a building without having a plan. You literally count there and think, what are the costs? Otherwise, you'll lay the foundation and you won't have enough to continue. And it'll be embarrassing. So it's a continual thing. It's, uh, I don't think it's just on a, on a Sunday that we worship God. Um, I don't think it's just with uh, this, these few hours, but it's a continual thing. It's in spirit and in truth, and it's continual. Uh, the next one, a scripture I have is from Hebrews, and it's, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Um, what I like to just pull out of this is that... Um, we're offering something to God, all right? Worship's not about us. Um, it's not about uh, what we can get. It's about what we're giving to God. Like in the Old Testament, they sacrificed things. We are giving something to God in worship. Um, so that being said, we'll just move on to the New Testament. How did they, um, how did they worship uh, in the early church? Well, I've just got it here. I'm just going to read it straight off here. Uh, um, worship was expressed through five actions, singing, praying, partaking of the Lord's Supper, so communion, studying the Word of God, and contributing to a common treasury. So, again, that's all giving. It's all service to God. You know, um, there are times when I think uh, worship is, uh, how do I say this, like involuntary almost. Um, could be when times when... Let me give you a bit of an example. I just, I love my daughters. I love my wife. And when, I'm, when they're not around, I do talk about them a lot, all right? I don't tell them that. But I just, like, they're always on the tip of my tongue, like, what's Nina done lately? What's her latest achievement? What's Hazel doing? What's Katie doing? And it, it's just coming out. I don't sit there and go, hey, I think I might talk a lot about uh, Katie, Hazel, and Nina today. I'm, going, I'm really going to do it. I'm going to... I'm just going to declare them, talk about them, how much I love them, and that's it. It just comes, it just comes out, and I think it's the same when we worship. Like when we come to church, sometimes it's just all over us. Sometimes it's so easy to stand there and just feel, and just like no, you're in the presence of God. You're just all going for it, and you're worshiping. And there's other times, and I got another analogy for this. It's when I come home late, uh, no, not come home late. Come home from a really hard day of work. Or something like that, uh, really tired, and uh, she's done this a couple of times. Nina just looks at me and goes, uh, Daddy, will you play with me? And I'm like, Whew. how about we just watch a TV show? <laughs> she's like, no, 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 no. Um, can you come and jump on the trampoline? And I'm like, whoa, I really don't want it, but, you know, I've got to be intentional. Like, I love my daughter. And Katie will, Katie's done this a couple of times as well. She's like, can you hold the baby while I go take a bath? We're like, what? No. <laughs> I've learned that the appropriate response to that is, yes, I'd love to, because what she's really saying is I had a hard day and I need some time to myself. Okay, but where am I going with this? Worship. <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, there's, there's definitely times when, you know, you're just in the zone for worship, all right? You're just declaring God in your life. And there's times when you have to be intentional about it, all right? Just like Pastor Kim when he's, it's cold outside. <laughs> Doesn't want to go to the gym. I know, I say this because I've, I've been instituting this habit in my life where I go to the gym early. I, my alarm goes off at 4.30 in the morning and I go to the gym. And it's been cold lately. And I literally say to myself, 
All you've got to do is walk inside a gym, the gym, and that's it. You can say that you've been to the gym. And sometimes <laughs> that's literally what I say to myself. Of course, what I really know is once I'm inside the gym, I'm going to be like, I might as well work out now. Um, and sometimes, because yeah, I sleep in my gym clothes, that's how I try to make it easy for myself. And sometimes I go, I sit there, this was this morning. Sometimes I just sat there and I was like, all you have to do is get up and put your shoes on. Just do it. That's all it's going to take. All right. And sometimes in those moments where you may not feel on top of the world, you just got to remember it's not about you, it's about God. And if you can just say, for example, on a Sunday, all I've got to do is get to church. You know, When you're sitting there in your bed and maybe it's not a Sunday, all I've got to do is pray. All I've got to do is start something, a small act of submission. Okay? Because let me, let me tell you, the, the small things you do in your life, they just set you up for something else. They set you up for something bigger. You know? A guy, a guy says, uh, this Navy sealer gave a speech to um, this graduating class, and it was all about making your bed. And his, his thing was, you get up, if you make your bed, that small uh, feeling of achievement will set you up for bigger achievements throughout the day. And it is, his philosophy is you can change the world just by starting every day with making your bed. It's the same with worship. You can change. You can disciple yourself just by that little small action. You don't have to think, man, I've got I to gotta build this. I've got to be the best worshiper. I've got to declare God in everything I do. But you just wake up in the morning and just say, it's got to read a scripture. It's got to pray. I've got to say something that I'm thankful for. You know, I think, I really think that discipleship, it starts with, it's continual. There's a sacrifice involved, but you, you don't, you can just start it. You can start small, small steps. And uh, that's all I have for you today. So I'm just going to say, oh, thank you. Um, just like to invite my brother Nathan up here to talk about uh, the Word, teaching the Word. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Awesome. That was so good. Yeah. Talk about the Word. Proverbs says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. And there's no more words of wisdom than in the Word. Hope you don't mind me preaching from a tablet. Moses did, so I might as well do it. He also got stuff from the cloud, so I'm going to dive right into it if that's okay. I also have gym analogies in my, in my sermon, because obviously you can see I know all the gym terms because I'm shredded. Um, yeah, this morning, um, speaking on the importance of the teaching and the learning of the word in discipleship. Um, so I'm going to talk through uh, some practical tips, a very practical tip on teaching someone how to read scripture if they've never read it for the first time. It's very basic technique. And also some tips and tricks on learning for your own personal devotion. Is that cool? Um, let's chuck out that scripture if that's okay. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Wow, crazy. Another way of saying that is be careful who and what you let into your life, because it may reflect what is on the outside also. Little story. As most, hopefully most of you know, uh, Ruby gave birth to our daughter two months ago. And I think we all, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great achievement. It's a great achievement, yeah, yeah. 
proud of you. Yeah. Um, and I think we all know the process in those last couple of weeks, you know, like um, the baby starts growing a bit more, starts gaining a bit more weight. Listen to me very carefully. The baby gained weight, not my wife. She is perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, so getting, getting a bit more and more and more weight in that in those last couple of months, okay, you know? And um, now as a couple, Ruby and I do everything together. We, we sleep together. We uh, uh, eat dinner together. We pray together. Um, but also, we gain weight together. Okay, so in those last couple of months, I was being a gentleman, okay? I was, be, I was being a gentleman. I was making sure that the lady of the household didn't have the bigger belly, okay? Right, so if she wants KFC, if she wants a craving, oh, yeah, Zinger Box might be good. Yeah, you know, but the only problem with that method is that she lost 3.42 kilos in about 47 minutes. I don't have that luxury, unfortunately. Yes, yeah, it's, it's taking a bit, it's taking a bit tad longer, you know. But it, it really puts into perspective that phrase, you know, you are what you eat. You know, like if you eat, the more you eat hamburgers, the more you look like a hamburger, you know. But it also, it's also a weird saying because I don't remember eating a handsome stallion of a stud, you know. <laughs> the stuff you put inside your body will eventually reflect on the outside as well. You know, if you eat, if you drink carrot juice, like one or two cups a day, not kidding, like your skin will actually start turning like an orangey glow, right? Is it cool how when you fill your body with good stuff, it reflects on the outside as well? Same with the word. I have my Bible on my phone everywhere I go. When I'm at work, when I'm at church, when I'm at home, I'm at the park, at a cafe, no matter where I am, I have constant exposure to the good stuff. The more I fill the more I fill myself with the good stuff, the more it will reflect my character. And the Bible is great. On the Bible app, if anyone's got the Bible app, I really encourage you to download it. There's like verses of the day. There's tips and tricks on how to learn. You know, there's study. There's Bible plans. It's awesome. You know? Who needs a physical six-pack, right? When you have a spiritual six-pack. <laughs> you can show off your godly character with your pecs of prayer your biblical biceps, your triceps of the Trinity, your calves of Calvary. I'm done, I'm done. And your glutes of grace, that's it. That's, that's the last one. That's, that's the last one, I promise you. If you want a godly character, constantly expose yourself to his word. Learn it, meditate on it, study it, but also put it into practice. You know? So that brings me to my next point of um, the practical tip of, uh, of the word, you know, uh, of teaching as well. So that was learning. That's some tips and tricks for learning. But now um, you're going to be teaching, you know. So I want to share just a, like a two-minute practical tip, two minutes. Um, and when you have the opportunity to teach someone about the word, because I truly believe that every single person in this room who actively lives for Jesus will have an opportunity in their life to teach something about the Bible. doesn't matter if it's small, one, one psalm, or if it's like a whole story of David, you know? Like, so, little tip for people who have never touched a Bible or are struggling to read it. Um, it's called SOAP. Yep, S-O-A-P. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So, picture this. Imagine you're having coffee with someone, right? right? And 
they have been in church for a while. They're fairly new, but they're, they're, they're struggling to read the word. You know, they're struggling to get that rhythm, you know. Um, so start with S, choose a scripture, obviously. And that has positively affected your life, right? And you like read it with them or you discuss it with them, you know. Um, for example, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. Joshua 1.9, scripture, tick. Next, O, observational. Find an observational viewpoint from the passage or story. Like, okay, so maybe it means this, or does it mean that? You know, for example, in that scripture I just read, Joshua 1 9, maybe it means that no matter where I am, I know that God is with me wherever where I go. It will help me move forward. Then discuss how you would apply it in your own life and in their lives. Like, you've got a job interview coming up. It's a biggie. You've been studying at uni for a couple of years. So this is, this is the big stuff. I need God by my side. You know? And then pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're with me wherever I go. Please give me the strength and the courage to doing this interview and let the interview be a success. Amen. Simple, right? S-O-A-P. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. It is so simple to teach. You can even use it in your own daily lives. I know I have. Um, if you're like me, who uses more than one kind of soap, one to get the dirt off and then one to smell fresh, I use two kind of soaps. I add a song at the end. You know, it's awesome. I'd um, love to invite Aaron up here. That's all I have for today. Aaron's going to speak on Christian community. Take it away, bro. Mate, how am I meant to follow that? You should have gone last. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, today I'm going to speak um, just quickly on, on community. Christian community, what it looks like and how it falls into this, this picture of discipleship along with worship and along with soap, with your, the Word of God. Hey, um, so look, what is community, right? So if I, if I said to you, what's community? You're probably going to come back at me with an answer that reflects your experience of community. And I was thinking about community and I was like, all right, what's a really good example of biblical, or sort of, community? And um, I thought about an event that happened recently, the state of origin, Queenslander, <clears throat> Queenslander. And you see, you see this uh, picture of um, once a year we have this massive sport event and all of a sudden there's this driving force in this nature that causes children in schools to scream at each other, Queenslander! And I had like a couple of boys at school, you know, um, New South Wales supporters. It was like a whole week that they gave me curry about supporting Queensland. And there's this force of community that they just come together and, you know, we do that as well. And what do you, what do you see in that, that sport, this community driven by this purpose of sport? Well, you see a couple of things. You see um, that when people come together with a common purpose, they are energized and empowered. You see when, when people come together in a community, you see that they push forward towards what they want to achieve, what they want to see, and, and you see this unison and this power of people. I remember once I went, um, I went to Townsville and I saw um, the, the Cowboys um, play a game of footy against the New South Wales Bulldogs. And at that time I was with my cousin, who was a, a New South Wales um, supporter, and it was me and him dressed in blue 
and we were the only ones in the stadium. <laughs> I tell you what, I felt the power of community that day. <laughs> look, <laughs> there's something powerful about community, right? So I had a look up about what community actually means, and the dictionary describes it as it's a condition of sharing or having certain attitudes and interests in common. I believe that God, you know, God is our Father, and He knows what's best for us. So talking about this community, why is it that it's an important thing? You know, God knows what's best for us. Matthew 6 verse 8 says that God knows what you need before you even ask Him. He knows that in order for us to thrive and grow into the people He created us to be as disciples of Christ, every single one of us, disciples, I believe that God knows it's essential that we need community around us. You know, there's power in community, Right? There's power in being together and there's power in walking a journey together. So I want to look at uh, two, two scriptures today. The first is one of the first examples of community in the New Testament, and it's in Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, at the many wonders and signs by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. Now, a bit of perspective here. This is talking about the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. And, and the writer of Acts tells us that this description happens after this group of Christians came together, they sought after God, and the Holy Spirit came and moved in a way that people around them were mocking them. They looked upon them and they, they said, are they drunk? Are they crazy? You know, they're, they're speaking in tongues. What are these people doing? But look at the outcome of this community. You know, they are united. They're together. They had everything in common. They were generous in community. You know, one person might be able to make a little bit of change, but when you get all these people together, you bend together, the generosity comes together, and they change the world as we know it. Out of what? Out of community. Out of being together. This is a picture of people in unison. This is a picture of church community. Hebrews 10, 20, um, 10 verse 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. As some of us are in the habit of doing, most of us here today, <laughs> but encouraging one another all the time, all the more as you see the day of the Lord, or the day approaching, or depends which translation, the day of the Lord arriving. You know, looking at them, I sort of, the two scriptures together, I sort of pulled out a couple of key ideas about community and what a Christian biblical-based community is and what it is that as a disciple of Christ we should be moving towards as we build relationships with each other. The first is that they were together. You know, if you want to build a community, you need to get together with other believers. You need to get together in the church. You need to get together in your homes. You need to break bread. You need to be together, sharing common goals, seeking after Jesus, spurring each other on. You know, um, I think it was Nathan, did you share? Or it might have been Al, the scripture about surrounding yourself, you know, good company, but bad company corrupts good character. 
you want to chase after Christ, you want to build your life around the Bible, you need to get around a community of believers that spurs you in the right direction. There's nothing wrong with having mates and all that sort of a thing, worldly. You know, we need to be the light of the world, but you also need to find your grounding somewhere in a community, and that happens in the church. You know, the second, the second thing, it's my personal favorite, and I'm sure, um, I'm sure Nathan and Al will back me up on this. Second thing the community did, they ate together. They ate together. There's something special about having food together. Um, you know, they were generous together. They were purposeful about meeting together. That's what we do on a Sunday. We're purposeful about coming to church. You know, if you're a new Christian, you want to be discipled, come to church, get involved in a life group. Be purposeful. The early church is purposeful. They come together. Every week they continue to meet together. Hebrews 10, do not forsake meeting together. Um, Acts chapter 2, all the believers were together and they had everything in common and the Lord added to their numbers daily. You know, the Bible offers so many more scriptures about this picture of community and I just want to quickly read a couple of them to just really cement you know, thinking, if you're someone that's thinking, oh, why is it important that I get involved in a church community? Why is it important I get involved in a life group? Why is it important to my walk with Christ that I do this? Well, first of all, I believe that it, the community offers discipleship. It cultivates discipleship in yourself and in the people around you. A couple of scriptures, um, Psalms 133 verse 1, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters... <laughs> well, I'll put that in there, but it says, <laughs> brothers and sisters, it says brothers, but, you know, we'll, we'll <laughs> brothers and sisters dwell in unity. 1, John's, um, 1 John 1 verse 7, it says, behold, we walk in the light as he is the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. Romans 12 verse 5, so we thought, um, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members are of one another. You know, commu community in the Bible is this idea that together is better. Walking together is better. Walking together builds strength, it builds unity, it builds disciples. It, it holds each other accountable, it uplifts and encourages each other. You know, it's, it's not about us, it's about building each other up. This, this community from the early church was a witness to the world. And, you know, one of my prayers is that this local church that we're all a part of, this community, would be a witness to our world, right? Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus says this to, the, um, to his disciples. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before people so that um, they can see your good deeds to give honor to your Father in heaven. Jesus said this not to one of his disciples. He said it to his community around him. He was there teaching. He was there, he was discipling, and he was teaching them. And he says, in the same way, let your light shine. It's pretty, it's pretty, um, pretty awesome. You know, when I, when I say community uplifts and encourages, um, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. But how does that happen? It happens in community. It happens in community. You know, you're having a bad day. Get with get with someone that's a believer. Pray, right? Have a meal. Hang out. It's 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 such a beautiful and powerful thing. And I just want to end um, just really quickly with, with one more scripture that really sort of captures the idea that 
two is better than one, that having a community, biblical community around you uh, is empowering and it, and it cultivates discipleship in your life and other people's lives as well, is that uh, Ecclesiastes um, 4 verse 9 to 12 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fail, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And, through, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Two is better than one, but three is better than two, you know. And, and if you've got a home group or you've got a church, you surround yourself with believers that grounds you, um, that you can come back to and that encourages you, you know, that's something that's really special. It's something that's really, really powerful. And um, that's sort of all I have for you today. But I, I just uh, want to encourage you that to be a disciple of Christ is so important to find yourself and ground yourself and develop a Christian community around you. Awesome. Weren't they great? Man, that's uh, three, three of our leaders there. You know, Al uh, does uh, the, all the online stuff, and um, um, Nathan uh, and Ruby lead our um, youth, and Aaron and Sarah do, do the young adults. So uh, fantastic to, to, to see them, you know, sharing God's word and uh, what God is doing in their lives. They're all talented, very different, as God has made us all different, but gifted. Um, you know, being a Christian and growing in a discipleship is simple. It's simple. The things that they spoke about this morning, um, worship, to put high worth on God, to find yourself regularly in the Word, to find yourself part of a faith community. These are not hard things to understand. They're not even difficult things to do. They're relatively easy in a sense. It's not like running a marathon. That's hard. <laughs> but these things are simple, but they need to be done regularly. And to do those easy things over time, that's what's difficult. And I love what, um, you know, I think it was Al that said, hey, um, you just got to get up in the morning. <laughs> just got to get there. I'm just got to get to church. I just, I've just got to open the Bible. I've just got to read a couple of, I just got to, uh, you know, pray for this. You just get yourself there time and time and over and over again. And what you find out over a period of time is that you are a different person. You have, what, what has happened? You've been discipled. You've been discipled. And that, those simple, easy things to be done regularly over years, decades, can be really tough. Let's be honest. Okay? And that's where I think the importance of community. Aaron was talking about community. One another where we encourage one another, where, we, where we're part of Connect Group because, uh, you know, I get in, in, in with those people once a, once a fortnight or whatever. I, I get together with them and they encourage me. I've just got to get there to serve. I'm just going to be part of it. I, you know, I'm on a roster, so I have to be there. And just being there 
does something to us. And I, I personally, I use SOAP. I, I still use that uh, acronym. I, I learned that when I was, I don't know, when I was really young, and I, and I still use that. Not every day, but I use it a lot. And it's amazing, and I've taught it to other people, and it's amazing. Like, you can read a scripture. You go, that's great, but I'm going to practice it. I'm going to read that scripture, and I'm going to spend a, a moment thinking, okay, what, what jumps out at me? What do I observe? Okay, how can I apply it to my life? And I've had people tell me who use that, that I've read, I read that scripture and I got a bit out of it, but then I, then I spent some time thinking, what I, have I observed and whatever, or what can I apply and how can I pray over that? And it opened up to me. That's called revelation. Uh, I want to turn it around. I want to ask you a question. Are you spending time in the Word? It's a rhetorical. Don't put your hand up. <laughs> uh, are you spending time in worship? Are you serving the body of Christ? Um, are you involved in fellowship? Do you, in biblical language, discern the body of Christ? Do you, do you find value in what we do here? My son, I had a conversation with him this morning, my elder boy. He's not here, so I can tell you. Um, and I'm like, you've got to stand during worship. <laughs> got to stand during worship. Last week, you're not standing. You're sitting down. You, you know, the other boy's putting his legs up and not even bothered. You've you got to stand and worship. And i got to tell him why. Because that's a good question, right? What do I got to stand? What do I got to stand? like look part of it is like you need to learn how to respect God and when we stand we're saying we stand for people that we respect okay now I'm not saying and, and he made a point he goes oh, I can worship God while sitting down now, that's a good point you know he's, he's eight years old he's and you can worship God when you're sitting down that is absolutely true but there is something that we do as a community we all stand together and we come together and we stand in little rows and we're saying, and we all decide that 10 o'clock we're going to come together and we're going to sing together and we're going to sing the same songs and we're going to stand together and we're doing something in unison. And I want him to learn about that. Even though at home, if we're praying or we're worshiping, we'll all like sit down. It's not, I can't, we can't do this at home. There is something about coming together where kids learn something about how this all works through community that I can't teach them at home. There is something special about the body of Christ. We're going to take communion together. Can I get the ushers to hand out communion, please? In a few weeks time we're going to go through this passage of scripture as you know we've been doing a series in Corinthians we're going to continue with that the apostle Paul writes in Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 says for I received 
from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, thank you, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those, I'm going to stop there. We're told here to examine ourselves, to consider. Consider what's going on in our hearts. Consider if there may be any sin, any, any rebellion against, against God. So let's take a moment to examine ourselves in light of what we heard this morning. In light of us being disciples, are we putting worth in God? Are we, are we growing? Are we in His Word? Are we in community? Do we value the people around us in Christ? Let's take a moment to examine ourselves. Thank you for your body. God, this, this little wafer, Lord God, that represents so much, the body of Christ that was broken for us. And we now, Lord, represent your body. Let's eat together. Father, we, we thank you for your blood that was poured out, the cup of the covenant. Blood which represents your life laid down and our life given in you. We thank you for this. Let's drink together.
awesome. special weeks. Next week, uh, Pastor Melvin's going to be preaching, so that's going to be great. The following week, I'm going to be continuing my series in Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Um, I'm, I'm warning you, fair warning, uh, if you have kids that are under high school age, um, please sign them in to Kids Church. Uh, if you want to know why, just have a read of Corinthians chapter four, or 5 and 6. It's talking about sex and sexuality, so we're going to go there. There's going to be no turn, uh, stone unturned, I think, um, as we go there. But I also want to encourage you, if you have high school kids, to make sure they hear that day. Um, there's something that I believe that God wants for them to understand about uh, sexuality and uh, sex in general and it's very clear in His Word. I want to encourage you to bring them along. So fair warning, not, not next week, week after. Um, and if you have kids here, please uh, please sign them in. It's just not content that is uh, appropriate for that age group. Well, I'm going to invite our, our uh, music team up. We're going to end with a hymn as we always do. Can we stand together?
trust you were blessed this morning and you were challenged and uh, you have what you need to grow in God. So have a fantastic day. Hey, we have people that are ready to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, please don't leave this place without having someone pray with you. And uh, just towards my left here, we'll have a group of people that are ready to pray with, uh, with you if you need prayer for anything. Otherwise, hang around. Grab a before service. Community is built after service as well around coffee. Hang around.